I so deeply appreciated that song of the Good Friday service. I asked that team to do that again because it fits so well with the theme of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. In Jesus talking about being a disciple, a follower of him. And in these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is giving us pictures of what it looks like to be a true disciple. What it looks like to be right with God. The problem is the religious leaders of Jesus' day thought they were right with God, but they weren't. So in chapter 5, Jesus points out what they were believing was wrong. And in chapter 6, he points out what they were doing was wrong. Chapter 6, verse 1 said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. And that's what was going on. The religious leaders of the day were more concerned that they would gain the praise of people than they were to serve out of devotion to God. They were doing good things. They were giving to the poor alms. They were praying. They were fasting. But they were doing those things for the praise of people and not out of devotion to God. So when we come to chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Single-hearted devotion to God. What devotion to God really is. What it should look like. And so doing, Jesus does this in such a practical way, he gives us a very practical, everyday life picture of what devotion to God can look like as it pertains to our stuff, our possessions, our money. Because the Bible is so practical, it gets down to where we live. And Jesus is going to show us that our attitude toward our money demonstrates where our devotion truly is. And Jesus is going to call his listeners to wholehearted devotion. I'm going to read the verses. You can follow along in your copy of the text. Matthew chapter 6, starting to read in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body, so that if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. I keep a file in my office of letters that over the years people have written me, and periodically I'll take it out and and just kind of read some of them as a testimony to God's grace over the years. I shared this one with you many years ago, but it was written by a young boy, a grade school boy, in when I pastored a church up in North Dakota. And uh, his mother and father photocopied the letter before he mailed it off and sent me a copy. And he wrote this letter to Billy Graham. So here it is. Dear Billy Graham, please send me the book, Angels, God's Secret Agents. And let me say, I think it's great what you do. I have given my life to Christ. During the broadcast of June 7th, 1995 is one time you really helped me. Thanks. Enclosed is some money. Not much, but I don't have a whole lot. Oh, would you please pray for my sister? She loves Jesus, but she hasn't made a commitment. Love, Jesse. I love that letter. Sometimes I think that our children have things better figured out in their walk with Jesus than moms and dads do. We tend to complicate simple devotion to Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about in these verses, just to being devoted to the Lord. But it's so easy for us to take what should be wholehearted devotion solely yielded to God the Father and instead put our devotion toward things that will just fade away. So Jesus gives his hearers, and you and me, a challenge, a charge, A picture of what true discipleship should look like. What a true follower of Jesus, what what their life should resemble. What what it looks like to really have wholehearted devotion to Jesus. And he does it in this very practical way. Talking about our stuff, our money, what we have on this earth. So Jesus, in verses 19 through 21, is simply going to call his disciples to single-hearted devotion. Specifically, single-hearted devotion in their attitudes towards wealth. In their attitudes about treasure. Verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy 
and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. So Jesus says there's two places where we store up that which is precious to us. Two options. We either store up treasures here on earth, or we store up heavenly treasure. That which is dear to us. That which is precious to us. Two places. Here on earth, or in heaven. And then Jesus makes a very poignant observation. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, he's calling us to single-hearted devotion. We can't have a heart that's partially toward him and partially toward me, toward you. He's calling us to single-hearted devotion. To not treasure what many consider precious here, but rather to store up heavenly treasure. It's interesting that Jesus chooses to talk about money, and I think the reason he does is because it so easily trips us up. It's also interesting, as we look at these verses, to remember the whole teaching of Scripture. Jesus here is not saying that money is bad. He's not saying that wealth is bad in and of itself. If we look at all of the teaching of Scripture, we see challenges to us about our things, our wealth, our money. For example, in the first, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 8, the Apostle Paul says, use your money to meet the needs of your family. In fact, if, 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 if within a family unit, if people have means, to care for each other within a family unit, and they don't, that's a shameful thing. So a family unit needs to use their uh, finan- their finances to meet the needs within their, within their family. It's a good thing. We know from the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, the proverb about the hard-working ant, that it's a good thing to work. Work is a good thing, and it's a good thing to take the proceeds from our work and save them, not to just use them all up every day. So saving finances is a good thing. We know from the book of First Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, that good things come to us from the Father. For example, I'll read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, when the Apostle Paul writes this. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods 
which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. And nothing's to be rejected if it's received with gratitude. A little bit later, in chapter 6, verse 17, Paul also writes this, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So the Apostle Paul is telling us the same thing that Jesus is saying, Wealth is not bad. What Paul warns us about, what Jesus is talking about, is putting our hope in wealth. Having wealth be our treasure. That's what Jesus addresses here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Where is our treasure. He says, don't put our hope in earthly treasure, because it's here today and gone tomorrow. Our devotion, our single-hearted devotion should be on heavenly treasure. In that passage in 1 Timothy 6, the Apostle Paul actually helps us flesh out what that heavenly treasure can be. I think Probably Paul had Jesus' words in his mind as he wrote 1 Timothy 6. He goes on in verse 18, says, Instructing them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. That which is done for Jesus is heavenly treasure. That's what's done for the Lord is heavenly treasure. The time that we invest, the resources that we invest in other people for the sake of Jesus Christ, that's heavenly treasure. And here Jesus says, true disciples should be all about wholehearted devotion. And one good measure of where our heart is, is how we're viewing our stuff. And in verse 21, he says, remember this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A year ago Christmas, my wife got me a great Christmas present. She often kind of mildly chides me because she says that I don't actually allow her to get me anything because when I get my focus on something, I usually just buy it. And I don't allow her enough time to actually get it for me. The other thing that she mildly chides me about is she can never get anything without me knowing it. Because I kind of tightly monitor our our credit card and I keep an eye on things and our finances. And she says, how can I ever get you anything? Well, a year ago Christmas, she got really tricky. She had a friend order my Christmas gift on her friend's card. And then gave her friend cash. And had the Christmas gift sent to the friend's house. 
so that when I opened my Christmas present, I had no idea what I was going to get. And I was happy. She got me my own thermopen. Now, you may not know what a thermopen is. It's an instant read thermometer. And I love mine. I'm a meat guy. People think that I cook a lot. I don't. I just cook meat. I like to eat meat. I like to cook meat. And I wanted my own instant read thermometer. And this one is so cool because it doesn't have any buttons on it. You just open up the probe and it turns on. If you close the probe, it turns off. And you can just stick it into the meat. And within three seconds, instant read, digital readout. I use it all the time. When I make a French press of coffee, I use it to measure my water temperature because we all know that the perfect water temperature for brewing coffee is 205 degrees. So I know I'm weird. So I like to get my water to 205 degrees for my French press. So I whip out my thermopen to get it to exactly 205 degrees. Sometimes I get impatient and settle for 203. It's okay. So I just love my thermopen because it gives you immediate feedback. Open it, stick it in, you get a readout. Easy. Wouldn't it be nice to have a thermopen for our heart. I don't know about you, but when I read a passage like this, I struggle with trying to determine where's my heart really at? Should I have not have taken that vacation? Should should we have not done this or that with our finances? I, I tend to get very introspective and trying to analyze if this was the right thing to do or not the right thing to do. It's sometimes difficult sorting out where my heart truly is. But Jesus is going to help us. It's not as easy as taking out a spiritual thermal pen and sticking it in virtually into our heart to get an instant readout. But Jesus helps us here. One of the things he tells us about single-hearted devotion is that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And we can start to ask ourselves questions about where am I really passionate? When I think about the things that I'm really passionate about, are they things about my stuff or is it about things that I can do for Jesus Christ? What's my attitude toward my things? What's my attitude toward my time? Jesus is calling us here to wholehearted devotion. Now, one of the things he's going to do to help us sort this out, to really think through where is my heart, where's my devotion, is in verses 22 through 24, he actually gives us a couple of traits or characteristics of wholehearted devotion. The first characteristic or trait of wholehearted devotion is found in verses 22 and 23 
I like to call it a single eye focus. Now, when we first look at these verses, verses 22 through 23, and, and we see Jesus telling us that devotion is single eye focus on heavenly treasures. At first glance, verses 22 and 23 don't seem like they fit between verse 21 and verse 24. He's talking about money in verses 19, 20, and 21. He's talking about, verse in verse 24, he's talking about money. But then in verses 22 and 23, he starts talking about the eye being a lamp of the body. And we, and we look at that and say, I don't get it. Actually, what Jesus is doing is he's still talking about finances and wealth and our attitude and where our treasure is. But he's switching illustrations. If you look at verse 21, he's talking about the heart. When he comes to verse 22, he starts talking about the eye. They're parallel. They're parallel pictures. Just as Jesus says that where your treasure is, that where your heart's also going to be. Now he's going to bring home that point with the illustration of the eye. And he's going to talk about two views. One, in the New American Standard, it talks about the clear eye and the bad eye. Literally, the word that's translated clear here in verse 22 can have the idea of single. In my Bible, in the New American Standard, in the center, it says, or this word could be thought about, could be thought of as sincere. It's single focused. And I think what Jesus is doing here is talking about a single eye focus. That's the idea of the eye being clear. It's single focused. Just think about what he's saying in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, if it's single focused, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, the eye is that through which the whole body finds its way. If you have a single focus, your whole body finds direction. Your whole self finds direction. But there's an issue here with those who are listening to him. Those religious leaders think that they are pleasing to God by amassing vast wealth here on earth. What they've done is they're misunderstanding what what the Lord was teaching to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 28, 29, and 30. Remember that chapter When God instructed Moses to take the people of Israel and put half of them on one mount and half on the other mount, and he said to them, if you obey me, this is what will happen. And he looked to those on one mount and said, you will have great crops. You'll have peace in the land. But if you disobey me, he looks to the people on the other mount and says, if you disobey me, you're going to have terrible crops. And foreign invaders will come in and they will take you captive. Well, from that, go forward hundreds of years to Jesus' day. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of Israel, from that charge to the people of Israel, have concluded that God wants to make me rich. And so they thought in their minds, the richer that they are, 
the more blessing they're being showered upon by God. So, what should my goal be? Get rich. But they think they're right with God. Jesus is picturing them in verse 23 when he says, but if your eye is bad. Literally the word is evil. That's an evil eye thinking that you are right with God, but in reality your heart is far from him because instead of being single, having single-hearted devotion to him, you have single-hearted devotion to amass stuff for yourself. So Jesus' point in verse 23 is that when that's your eye, it's really clouded, it's actually evil. Instead of providing direction to your life and light to your whole life, you're in darkness. In fact, you are in the deepest, darkest possible because you have spiritual imperception. You're not perceiving things right. So Jesus here giving us a trait of what it looks like to have wholehearted devotion to the Lord says this, wholehearted devotion has a single eye focus. Friday morning I was getting ready to leave the house about 6.30 in the morning and I looked out our living room window and there was a red-headed woodpecker on my peanut feeder. Oh, I was excited. We don't get red-headed woodpeckers on our feeders very often. I maybe see a red-headed woodpecker once every other year. And there he was in all of his red-headed glory. I was about 10 feet from him, standing inside of our sliding deck door, and there he was, just on the edge of the deck, eating peanuts. Now, serious birders love to see birds up close, but for a lot of birds, you can't see them up close. The really special ones often don't come to the feeder. So they will have a spotting scope. Now, a spotting scope is a cool thing. You can get a really high-end spotting scope. You can spend $4,500 on a spotting scope. I haven't done that. But you can do it. And you can look through that spotting scope at a thousand yards and see God's creation in all of its glory. Now, I don't have a spotting scope, but I have friends that do. And when I've looked through their spotting scopes, one thing I have to do for sure is I have to close my left eye. I don't know if you have the ability to look through a scope and keep your other eye open, but I can't do it. The only way that I can really focus on what's on the end of that scope is to keep one eye closed and have one eye focus. And Jesus here is calling his disciples to single eye focus on heavenly things. You can't keep your eye on the things that God has for us and keep your other eye on amassing stuff for ourselves. Jesus gives us a second 
illustration, a second trait of devotion to him in verse 24 in talking about the character of a master and a slave, the character of that relationship. And he's going to tell us that devotion is enslavement to only one master, not two. Now, in our world today, we think of an employer and an employee. And most of us would say, I have committed to give my employer 50 hours a week, 55 hours a week. And during those 50 hours a week, those 55 hours a week, I'm going to pour my all into my work. But when those 50 hours are done, the rest of that time is my time, right? It's mine to what to do with what I want. I don't have to answer to my employer for how I spend my free time. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about an employer and an employee. He's talking about a slave owner and a slave. A master and a slave. And one thing is for sure. The master has the right to all of the slave's time. So Jesus' point is, you can't have two masters. You can't have a master over here saying, all of you belongs to me. If I need something at three in the morning, I'm going to call you at three in the morning and have another master over here that's saying, all of you belongs to me. If I want something at three in the morning, I'm going to get it. No, it doesn't work. You can't have two masters. Jesus' point, you can't be serving both God and money. My youngest son, who lives in Minneapolis, is moving in a week. He has got his own apartment right by the University of Minnesota, just across the river from downtown Minneapolis. He's excited. And he uh, told me this past week, he's thinking about moving, he said, you know, I've got quite a bit of free time. I'm thinking about applying for a barista job at my favorite coffee shop. I can work full-time at my my main job, but then in my free time, 10, 15 hours a week, I could be a barista. I think it'd be fun. Later in the week, he called me and said, you know, I don't think I should do that. He said, I just want to really focus in on my the company that I work for because I really want that to be my career. I just, I'm just going to focus on that and try to do my best at that one thing. I said, well, Shane, I think that that's a good idea. Now, in today's world, that's the choice that he made. And some people try to do both. Some people try to have their main job, and then maybe they have a little fun job on the side. Jesus isn't talking about that. He's saying that it's either or. There's nothing in between. You can't have two masters. You're either a slave of God, or you're a slave of money, of your stuff. You know, if there was such a thing as a spiritual thermopen, and if we were able to have a spiritual probe and stick it into our heart, there would be no 
almosts. There would be no reading on that thermopen that says, well, you're almost having single-hearted devotion to the Lord. You're kind of there, but you're not quite, you're not quite there, but you're, you're almost there. No, it's, it's very cut and dry according to Jesus. There's no in-between. There's no, I'm kind of being holy, wholehearted, devoted to the Lord, and I'm kind of being wholehearted, devoted to this place. Now, Jesus is saying it's either or. You can't have two masters, it's one. So we come to this passage, and while it's easy for us to become introspective, and even to feel a sense of guilt or shame, that's not what Jesus is trying to do here. He is not saying that it's wrong to have things. We know from all of Scripture that every good thing that we have is from the Lord. But he's asking us a simple question. Where's our heart? Where's our heart? Where's our treasure? And while we don't have a thermopan that can answer that question, I would encourage each of us in response to this passage, it's a good thing to just come before the Lord in prayer and just ask Him to show us. We don't have a thermopan But we've got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can take this passage and illuminate it to you. Show you where you fit in what Jesus is saying here. The Holy Spirit can bring conviction or the Holy Spirit can give approval. But it's important for us to seek Him. It's important for us to go to Him in prayer and ask the Spirit of God to show us from these verses where our heart truly is. And if we do that, if we humbly go to the Lord and ask Him to reveal our heart to us, He will. He'll show us our heart. He'll help us think through things like, where is my passion? How am I using my time? What's my attitude toward my stuff? Because what Jesus wants for you and for me is devotion. Single-hearted devotion that invests in a heavenly treasure. Father, we thank you for these verses. And while sometimes it's hard for us to evaluate, we do know that we are the rich that here in North America we are those who have been blessed financially and we are reminded that we can't fix our hope in that our hope is in you help us, give us eyes to see the reality of our hearts and a desire for single hearted devotion We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.